Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. The title of um, this message this morning is The By Faith Offering. The By Faith Offering. And, and you know, I get stirred up watching little well-created pieces like that that just remind me um, to, to lay down every weight and to know that there have been people that have gone before us, pioneers of faith that have blazed the trail and made a way for us to follow. You know, um, it's the hardest task is always for the first guy with the machete. <laughs> you know, for example, he's like David Livingston. You know, he went to make that way in, in Central Africa. And so, you know, we, we, have, we can stand on the shoulders of great men and women of faith, and we can look back in their lives, and we can say, what was it about their life that, first of all, that they had such a close connection with God, and God took them, and successfully, to the end of their days, and they accomplished what God said that they had to accomplish. I'm always fascinated with those stories because um, we can all learn so much from them. And um, so you probably guessed by now, this morning we're going to be talking about Abel's sacrifice. Amen. But before we get there, you know, have you ever used the phrase or heard the phrase, people say that they come to faith? They came to faith. And I believe that this simply means that we move towards God. You know, in God's word in um, Revelations 3.20, it says there, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And you, do you get that mental image of Jesus at the door of your heart? He's knocking on the door. And maybe, maybe you're inside watching the telly or making dinner or doing whatever you're doing. And you hear a knock at the door, will you answer the knock at the door? Will you get up and move closer and go and let Jesus cross the threshold of your life and come into your life? And that's what it is. We have to choose to open the door and let him in. So when people say, I came to faith, really what they did was they moved closer to God because God is near. God is near, and he, and he is ready to show his salvation to anyone. Amen? So, you know, when we move closer to God, he gives us a gift. And I'm not talking about the gift of salvation. I'm talking about the gift of faith. He gives us this gift, a gift of faith. And in the Greek, it's the word pistis, is the Greek word for this faith. And this is awesome because this gift of, gift of faith gives us as human beings the ability to believe for far in excess of what we could naturally believe for because we're so limited by our senses, you know, you know, we're so limited. And this gift of faith helps us to like, it's like a turbo boost of, yeah, you know, Lord, you can, you can do this. You can do that. Nothing is impossible for you. I want to move into those realms where I enjoy life, being able to do the things that he's called me to do, 
and knowing that he's a God of without limitation. And he says, David, if, you can, if I say you can do it, you can do it. Isabella, if I say you can do it, you can do it. Whoever's in this room, if God says you can do it, you can do it. Remember Brother Dale Gentry. He's one of his favorites. Whatever God says you can do, you can do. And so I have a little story this morning, first of all. It's about a community of farmers, and they were suffering a severe drought. Has anyone here ever been in a drought season? And I know in Scotland it's rare. <laughs> But I do remember that there was um, a newspaper, newspaper article back in the 60s or 70s that complained that some of the, some of the, the reservoirs in Renfrewshire and such places were empty, um, and there was a drought. But we grew up knowing drought. We grew up in South Africa, and we experienced drought a lot. And drought is a very concerning situation for farmers. Obviously, you need water. They need water for their livelihood. So they were desperately looking for solution to what to this drought. Um, recently, Angus Buchan um, had a massive gathering a few years ago to pray for rain in the Cape province and uh, so that, because uh, the drought was so bad. And so anyway, um, a local pastor calls a prayer meeting um, to pray for rain. So on the day of the prayer meeting, many people arrived at the church, and they're there to pray for rain, and the pastor is greeting them at the door as they walk in, and um, when everyone's in and people are chatting as you do across the aisles and catching up, he, he walks down to the front of the church, and he's just thinking about quietening them down and getting ready to start the meeting and his eyes are looking across the room, and he sees a young girl sitting in the front row of the church, and she looked like she was about to burst. She was so excited. And so he noticed that next to her, she had brought a large umbrella, and it was open, a big, colorful umbrella lying open next to her. And so the pastor smiles and thinks, wow, how much faith does this young girl have? No one else in the congregation had come with an umbrella. All, everyone had come um, to pray for rain, but the girl came expecting God to answer. You may have heard that story before. So everyone's there to pray for rain, but someone actually brings an umbrella because <laughs> it's like, we're praying for rain, so it's going to rain, isn't it? Amen. You know, supernatural faith does work to some degree with our belief, but where it's most radically at work is in the areas of our confidence, our certainty, our assurance, and our hope. That's where supernatural faith transforms us, and that's what I hope these messages on foundations of faith do, that they transform you to a, a confident, assured um, that your hope rises because you know that God can, amen? But we know we go from the starting point of a grain of faith, okay, as tiny as a mustard seed, or as some of us know, a measure of faith, and we go through a process of our faith growing and being extended and actually becoming increasingly pleasing to God. Do, do, does anyone here want to be pleasing to God? 
Amen. We want to please God. Amen. Just the same way, I guess, as you know, you with your parents or, or someone, you're, yeah, I want to impress them. I want to, I want to be pleasing to them, you know. And so, and it's the same with God. And so, with all of this, um, we have to understand a couple of things. First of all, there's no way we can manufacture faith, all right? It's not a product of our willpower. So as much as I want to will something to happen, it, it, it may never happen if it's just a product of my willpower. You know, we can't pursue... Has anyone here tried to stop themselves from doubting before? Get the doubt out. You know, it's like, you know, it's such a struggle and I think if there's a lot of stress and a lot of strain and it's like this massive struggle, and sometimes growing is a struggle, growing in faith is a struggle, but we probably know if we're in that repeated cycle of that, it's probably not faith that's working. It's not, probably not faith. There's probably a lot of us in there trying to make something work. Amen? And so there's no formula for faith. If there is, can someone please see me after the service? Write it down on a sheet of paper. But there's no formula for faith that I know. There are things that we can do, our confession, things like that, but there's no magic formula for it. It's not based on any known statistics. For argument's sake, let's say that in the life of Linda, three out of ten of her prayers and hopes are answered. You know, this doesn't work like that. You know, it's not a statistical thing. Amen? So... But we do know that the, the word says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, so we know that there is a substance, and the substance is called faith. Faith is the substance. But I've worked with lots of substances in my life, and all substances have some sort of quantity, quality, um, a makeup you know, that makes it up. And so whatever this substance is called faith, it must have some value, amen? Because whatever this actually is, it produces the things that we hope for, amen? So this substance, I think, I'm, th I'm going deep. I'm not that deep of a person, but I'm, what is this substance, faith? What is it? Because has anyone ever seen faith? We've seen the fruits of faith and things like that, but if you, you know what I'm saying. And so, you know, let's say in, in my own life, spiritually I'm speaking about here, I don't think I've ever been, been able to quantify what I'm entitled to. And you think, well, what, is it, what does that mean, what I'm entitled to? Well, you may or not, may not believe this, but there are certain thing that, things that God entitles us to. Now, I get more of my fair share, uh, more than I deserve, I should say, of things that I'm entitled to. But God knows my entitlement. And God is backing, he's totally committed to backing that up in my life. And he's committed to you in the same way. And I wanted to explain that a bit better because it's maybe not making sense. But if you go to this substance, and you study that word there, it means hypostasis, which is in Greek the title of possession. And this is, this is the Lord's, is God's guarantee 
to fulfill the faith that he has birthed in you. Do you see where we're going now? God is putting faith, God has put faith in you and he guarantees to fulfill the faith that he's put in you. Amen? And if you read in Romans chapter 14, verse, verse 23, it tells us there that we are only entitled to what God grants faith for. Okay? What is... Romans 14, 23 say, it says, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin. So we have this kind of situation here is that God gives us faith to operate out of. When we operate out of anything other than faith, the word says it's, it's, it's sin, here in this situation. And we know in context there, this was talking about causing a brother to stumble and, that, and, and these type of things. So, um, but what I want to say is this, if God gives you a faith for a promotion at work and you operate within that faith, it, M-U-S-T, it must happen. If God, this is bold, if God gives you faith to raise the dead and you operate out of the faith that he has given you, it must happen. It must happen. It must. It's like God's like, it's going to happen if you operate out of the faith that I have birthed in you. So no matter how hard we want to have great faith or faith that pleases God, I can't just drum it up. None of us can. We can't make it happen. We can't command it to happen. It's a spiritual gift and it's given by God. Amen? So I think coming to faith really means becoming a certain type of person. And you, God imparts a divine characteristic into your life and that exists in anyone who's fully convinced and who fully believes on God. He changes your life. So he takes you like Abraham. From, he went from Abram to Abraham, didn't he? I got that the right way around, didn't I? <laughs> he, goes, he, takes, he, he almost erases your old character. And he creates you as a brand new person. A person that can do anything that he says you can do. Amen. Always motive's important, and we're coming to Cain and Abel shortly. So, okay, so it's a spiritual gift. So it's like, and we know that's true because God God's word affirms in us that we are, we have become new creations. Old things have passed away. The old original David has died. Sometimes he tries to come back. <laughs> you know, but the old man has passed away. All things become new. And I want to read this to you. Go, to, go, in, go in your word, word to Romans 4. Romans 4 from verse 13. In the New King James, it talks about the promise granted through faith. Look at this transformation that takes place um, with Abraham. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but how did it come? Through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, are heirs, faith is made void 
and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for there, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure. Uh, who likes a sure promise? No one likes a broken promise. But he, God is saying that the promise might be sure to all the seed. If you're the seed of Abraham, put your hands up. We used to, that, we know that song off by heart, old David Ingalls. I am the seed of Abraham, and his blessing rests on me. Ah, the old songs. So, and so we're the seed of Abraham, so it's a sure promise to us. Amen? Who is the father of us all, as it's written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And how did, uh, what was actually spoken? They would be as numerous as the, st the stars. They would be as numerous as stars and as the sand on the sea, seashore. And so here we go. Um, so shall your descendants be. And here we go. Here's, here's the bomb in verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. And how old was he? About 100? 100 years old, dead. And he did, neither did he consider the body of his wife, Sarah. It's like... It's not like, you're never going to, you're way past it. You're not, it's not happening. But he knew, he knew that that promise would see his descendants be so numerous. And he did not waver. So if I said to you, underline things in your Bible, first one would be, and not being weak in faith. In verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was, underline this, strengthened in faith. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, let telling us that we go from faith to faith. We don't have it all in the one package. Don't we wish we did, you know? Lord, just give, it, give us it all one time. One time. It's like, no. And being fully convinced, underline that, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. And this brings me on to the message today regarding these two brothers, okay? The firstborn children of creation. Do you know their names? Cain and Abel. Cain was the firstborn, all right? And he had a younger brother, Abel. Both boys have the same parents, they grow, grow up in the same home environment, but they both have very different ends. Both have very different outcomes. And there's not a lot of information really in Genesis 4 concerning the details. But what we do know is that, and you, you do know that he, Cain murdered Abel, his brother, okay? It wasn't just a case of sibling rivalry gone too far, gone wrong, Okay. Essentially, this story is, is, was about what is acceptable to God and what is not acceptable 
to God? What does God receive? And how does God receive things in the best way? We'll look at that. So, um, bless you, Mary. Um, so, it's, it's not just talking about what was offered because they both brought an offering to the Lord or they brought it to, to Adam would have been involved. They brought this. But it's an account of the heart in which the offering was made, okay? And so it also speaks of the timing of the offering and the place of the offering. So here's the thing. So you're ready to, to read through this scripture quickly in Genesis 4. From verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Abel was a shepherd, a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a farmer. He was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, now, so at a certain time, they would have been expected to bring an offering. Now, that could have been at harvest time. It could have been a certain time of year. But it tells us that there's a certain time, a process of time, and they had to bring an offering. It came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. In other words, sin is going to consume you. If you let this take over you, it's going to consume you. But you should rule over it. Take authority. Take dominion over these thoughts, imaginations, all of these things. Now Cain talked with, his, with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel? And you know the next part there, he says, where is Abel? And he says, Lord, am I my brother's keeper? You know, how, how, how do I know where he is? Of course, the, the Lord, God knew exactly what had happened, but he wanted Cain to say it. He wanted him to confess it, to bring it, to bring it out. He says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground, so now you're cursed, and you'll be cursed for." From here on in, um, the word goes on to say, um, you'll labor in toil and sweat and, you know, it's just going to be, everything is going to be hard work. Um, you will lose your strength. You'll be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And so Cain says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. But God really had mercy on Cain, you know, and put a mark on Cain to prevent him from being um, killed or uh, persecuted by anyone. So he, he leaves the area and goes to, goes, the word says, he left the presence of the Lord and he went to a place eastward of Eden. So here we've got the first murder 
there's, there's been a murder. The first murder in humanity unfolds here, and it produces human suffering from that moment onwards. And so later on, Jesus has to come to put that to rights through his own sacrifice. Amen. So what can we say about Cain? You know, we know that Abel's offering was offered by faith, but Cain, he, he walked a different way. He was led, remember, this was just after the fall. Sin entered the world, and we believe that Cain was fleshly. He was proud. His confidence was not in God, but in his own ability to produce righteousness or to see himself as whatever. Amen. But the biggest and the most important difference was that Abel offered in faith and Cain did not. And what does that mean? It means that Abel was aware God has a will. And when we offer according to God's will, when we sacrifice according to God's will, according to his command, according to whatever he's told us, that is offering in faith. When we do it according to his will. Amen. So it lined up with God's will, and it brought God glory, and it's like Abel saying to the Lord, I'm totally dependent on you. I've brought my best. I've brought my first and my best for you, okay? That really resonates. That has resonated with us for a while. We're, you know, Lord, every day, will you have, will you get my first and my best, what will, what will we give? Because Cain gave God the dregs. Cain gave some stuff that people could have gleaned from the corners of the field or whatever, but Abel offered according to God's will, amen? And so Cain did what he could do, just wanted to stay in God's good, I'll put it this way, in God's good books. I'll stay in credit with God. I'll just, you know, my dad, he's expecting this to happen. I'm going to bring the offering, so we'll just do that but it turned into sin for him because of his heart, okay? So, but God is like, listen, Cain, you've done the wrong thing, but don't be upset. Lift up, you know, your countenance has fallen. You know, like Eleanor says, turn your frown upside down. You know, there's a way back for you. All you've got to do is go and find the right way and come back and everything will be fine. But the word tells us that Cain was raging. He was angry, rage, full of rage, full of jealousy. Amen. And so this is a situation. This sin begins to consume him. And so the deception that had just happened with, with his parents had already brought in, entered in. Here it was, jealousy. Um, envy, pride, all of this stuff. Here it comes in. At that time, there, there weren't many people on the earth. <laughs> there were just not many. So the environment, you can imagine, would still have been, <clears throat> maybe I'm wrong, but relatively pure. So you can't blame it on the environment. You didn't have an Xbox that you played on all day long. Do you know what I mean? You know, it was, it was, it was the fallen nature beginning to rise up, emerge. Yeah, thank you. That's a great word. There was an emergence of this hateful nature, okay? And so, 
This is what's consuming Cain. Now, there's not much... Actually, um, I don't think any of Abel's words are recorded in the, the Bible. There's no... You know, it says that he left a great legacy, but it doesn't say that he said anything. Okay, it says that... Obviously, it tells us that Cain, Cain did. But it says that he left a legacy of faith that we all still study. People read about it. We study it. We speak about it. There's sermons about it, all of this stuff. And I believe that the reason why this is is because Abel's sacrifice and the reason why it was pleasing to God is because it is very closely linked to worship, a worshipful heart. That is that, that. And this is why every day, can we, can we rise in the morning with a song on our lips, a song of praise, can, yeah, amen. Can, can we worship in the morning? Can we pray in the morning from the rising of the sun to, this, to the going down of the same? The name of the Lord is to be praised. And, and so there was such a link like that. And I think there's similarities here with David in the, in the sense that his heart was right and pure towards God. So, you know, if we go to the story, it says that Abel's offer, offering was more acceptable than Cain's. Amen. And God accepted his gift, and through his faith, though he died, it still speaks. What, what, is, what, what does that even mean? So here's, he's murdered, but something was not able to silence that act that tell, gives us so much um, instruction into leading a very successful Christian life, which is knowing about our offerings, the right way to bring them, the right time to bring them, the right place to bring them, the right heart to bring them with all of these things. You know, people will try and get you down on your faith. And eventually, we know that the word says that some will, will be martyred for their faith, but their faith still speaks into the future. Your faith still speaks, amen? Your faith has a legacy and it lives on, amen? It lives on. It will live on through this church, through your ministry, through the way that you are with people. It will live on, amen? And so Abel, this in Genesis 4, it still speaks to us today, amen? And so that there is a right way to come to God, always believing on the shed blood of Jesus, and not trusting in our own goodness or the intensity of what we do for God. Because I can imagine Cain, he's like, do you know what? I've grafted a lot harder. I'm a farmer. You know, you're, you're, you're watching sheep lying around. You know, you don't even have to clear up their mess. It fertilizes the soil. But I'm a farmer and I'm grafting and I'm doing all of this. And what I've done is must be much more hard-earned, more deserved. Can, can you get, get the picture here? Cain is like, I, I work so hard to do all of this. And the word says in Jude chapter 1 that people to this day still go the way of Cain. They still go the way of Cain. That heart is still there. And so, you know, it doesn't matter how hard we graft how intense we are about even God's work, if, if it's not by faith, it's futility. Just as well, sh shut the door and go home. 
It's, it's for nothing. It is, it is wood. It's, the Bible says it's wood, hay, and stubble. It's for nothing. And Matthew 7 reminds us of the futility of doing God's work, but not recognizing that it's more important to be in God's will than to do his work. All right? It's very important. It says there, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, except he who does the will of my Father. And people are like, you can see it here, Lord, but I did this in your name, and I did this hard work, and I served here, and I cast out demons, and I prayed for the sick, and I did all of this stuff. Even though you've done all of these things, verse 23, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. So our heart is so important here. And what else does Abel's life remind us of? Very short life. It's just that cornerstone of his life was faith and worship. Worship. And the foundation of our faith is not how well we know the Bible or all of this stuff. It's not how theologically correct or indoctrinated we are, all of this kind of stuff. It's not any of all that kind of stuff. It's not, it's not that. It's not that. They're all wonderful things. It's good to be a, a student of the Word. It's good to take a action, to have a, a conscience, to be aware of social issues, all of these type of things. But if the cornerstone of our lives is not faith, 100% faith and trust in the Lord, then it's, it's of no use at all. Amen? And that's the thing that separates those people that, have, that offer by faith or do anything by faith from everybody else. That's the thing. It's this, it's this faith this heart of faith, this like, like Abel had. Amen? Amen? And so, life can be hard, amen? We don't all naturally want to live every day taking a step, every, every step, every step I take as a step of faith. You know, we're born into this world, into, the, into a fallen world, and our first reaction is not to worship the Creator, but to enjoy creation, enjoy his creation. And so we don't naturally as people want to worship anybody because we are very self-absorbed, self-centered. Um, but when a person has a, a heart that desires to offer sacrifices of worship that are pleasing to God, just like Abel did, whoever that person is, they, you know they've been rescued by God's grace. And they, you know, you'll see that heart in them. Amen. So Abel was commended for that one thing. The way he brought that offering was pleasing to God. And it was his worship to the Lord. Amen. And so if this has penetrated you, your life today, there's been a couple of good things, I think, knowing that, you know, as, uh, the start there, that God has, um, uh, we have this 
um, what did I say it was not earned? What was the, the thing? You have this, you have this uh, entitlement, entitlement that, you know, there's, there's this, in, God, God says there, there's a gift of faith. I'm putting faith in your heart for this and you're entitled to that. And then after that, I believe that we just have to observe Abel's life, read about it, capture that heart. And I believe that that is the thing that is pleasing to God. And when we're pleasing to God, God is he's, he's a good father that when his children ask for bread, he will not give them a, a, a stone. Yeah? So he, will, he, he, he is ready and willing to, to bless your life. Amen? He's ready and willing to bless your life. And um, praise God for that. We pray that, that your legacy will be good. It will be a legacy of faith. And that the name of Jesus, is, it's his blood that speaks a better word into the future. And we can get involved with so much um, metaphorical bloodletting in our daily comings and goings. We can be brutal as people, harsh, unforgiving, un lacking grace. And we got to remember that God gave us all of these things, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, all of these things. And so we pray that there will be a legacy of that kind of faith in our lives. Amen. Amen. So I want to leave you with one scripture here in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com, and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.